The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Indicate to you when you signed Mike where they would draft a quarterback. Was that ever discussed? They didn't. Um, I knew coming into the situation, uh, just even coming from here from last year, wherever I was going to go, I was going to have to come in, compete, uh, earn the trust of my teammates, and get back onto the field uh, with hard work and my talent and just being a leader on this team. So uh, we didn't have those conversations, but I, I knew it was a possibility coming wherever I would go next. Mitchell Trubisky, he wasn't told that the Steelers would draft a quarterback, and that's not how it works. I mean, why why would you want to tell? Look, you you sign him, you give him a contract, contract is what it is, you come in and you compete, and he's sufficiently self-aware of his situation and know that he wasn't 100% safe. It wasn't like Russell Wilson. Right. Like, I mean, not not that the Broncos had a first-round pick, but if they did, it's not like they're going to take a quarterback in round one. They got Russell Wilson. Although they did take Brock Osweiler in round two the year they got Peyton Manning, which is so weird in hindsight, especially since they could have had Russell Wilson. But I digress. Um, And there is an irony here, Chris, because the Bears signed Mike Glennon And he was the starter in Chicago in 2017 for about six weeks until they drafted Mitchell Trubisky. So Trubisky's seen both sides of this one. Definitely has. He's no, he's, he's, he understands the NFL at this point and who he is as a player and how he's perceived. I'm sure it was almost the opposite. He was probably sitting there at one point going, man, am I going to get this lucky? And we're not going to have another quarterback here. Am I going to be the starter? This is amazing. Yes, he, he understands where he, at, he is. After Chicago, he's kind of relegated to backupsville there, like we've talked about. You know, he, he improved his image. He played good in the preseason. You know, he had a, a team that is valued as a good offensive football team where, you know, they all looked at him and went, wait, this guy's good. Like, he can play quarterback for us. And that herped, helped his perception around the league. So he's not clueless. He understands that he was going to have to, uh, again, compete to establish himself as that guy once again. And that's what it will take, you know, and, and he's going to have to fend off the the rookie who's, yeah, going to be loved and favored by the fan base to a degree. But 
You know, you win some games and you play some good football and you make a few plays here and there. You you can win over the fan base to where, you know, at least they're not clamoring for the rookie quarterback to come off the bench on a weekly basis. And we were talking yesterday about the schedule and how it would work and where it would fit. And I think someone sent me this. One of the Steelers offensive linemen made a comment yesterday implying that Trubisky is number one, at least for now. And it would just make sense. You know, teams like to take that young quarterback and drop him down the depth chart to give him a way to earn it, to make him build some confidence. You go from three to two to one, and the players see it. That's part of it, too. The players have to be on board with it. They have to feel that the guy deserves it. You made the point about Kenny Pickett going to Carolina, possibly, and they show up for OTAs, and Sam Darnold is slinging it all over the place, and Kenny Pickett isn't, and guys are like, well, no. So, uh, you know, in Pittsburgh, Pickett's got to earn it. And, and, you know, that's the bottom line. And Mike Tomlin's not going to screw around with that. you got to earn that job. And if Trubisky's the better option, he'll be the quarterback, plain and simple. Tomlin is going to try to win games. He's going to put the best players on the field at any given time in an effort to win games the way he's always been. It's one of the reasons why he's never had a losing season since he took that job in 2007. Yeah, there's going to be no BS there. I look at them as to be like one of those teams that's, yeah, uh, less political maybe than – than some of the other teams in football. They're not afraid to rip the Band-Aid off or if they made a mistake, okay, it's not working here, let's play this guy. You know, we, we've seen that. You know, even, hey, they, they, they traded up to, to get Devin Bush, the, the Michigan linebacker. It hasn't really worked all, out all that well. He got hurt. That certainly hasn't helped him. But at the same time, they don't double down and go, well, fifth-year option because we, we traded up to get him and, you know, we made him a first-round pick and we're going to make that happen. No. Uh, that's one example. There's a, there's many other examples, too, of them doing that. So they do what they have to do to win football games. That's the way Mike Tomlin is. And, you know, as we've discussed many times before, I mean, they've won games with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph and guys that are certainly less talented than Mitchell Trubisky. And Trubisky, with the way this offense is, hey, he's, he's definitely a bump up from Ben Roethlisberger last year, like we discussed. And I think he really fits kind of what Matt Canada and the players they have around them, where they want to move the quarterback and do a little quarterback design run and have that to be a part of uh, the threat of what the offense does. You couple that with Trubisky's ability to run, Najee Harris, his ability to run and catch the ball out of the backfield. And then you talk about the two receivers who we talk about a lot, Deontay Johnson and Claypool. They're difference makers. They're guys where you go, oh, man, one-on-one, that, that's a little scary. I don't know if we want to roll the dice on that too often. So uh, there, there's stuff there just with Trubisky at quarterback for a guy like Mike Tomlin or anybody that follows Pittsburgh to go, we can make it work with him and we can win games. And with our defense and Pittsburgh and Blitzburg and all that, yeah, I certainly see something there that, that the, the recipe could be right there in Pittsburgh for them to be a pain in the butt this year. Meanwhile, the Steelers have promoted Omar Khan to the position of general manager. He replaces Kevin Colbert, who's had the job for 22 years. He didn't really have the title until 2010, but it was the same job. Khan has been there since 2001. He was most recently VP of Football and Business Administration. I mean, he has been an integral part of that team. And he was one of the names that would come up. And this just gives you an idea of what Bill Cowher thinks of him. Whenever Cowher was starting to get the band back together again and thinking about getting into coaching, Omar Khan was one of the first names that always came up. Right. He would try to take Omar Khan with him wherever he went. He was going to be the coach of the Jets at one point, but Woody Johnson didn't want to fire Mike Tannenbaum. Cower wanted to bring in his own guy, and the guy he would have brought in 
was Omar Khan. So Khan waits patiently, waits for a very long time behind Kevin Colbert, and he gets the job. And Chris, we said this yesterday. Every once in a while, we're right about something. Yeah. My instincts are right about something. Yep. They weren't going outside the building. They were going with somebody who knows how they do things. He's been there 21 years. He knows how they do things. He knows how to operate. Zero ego. Zero ego. I mean, he was there for years before his name ever even began to percolate. No doubt. Right. As a potential GM for anyone other than Bill Cower, not a big self-promoter, right. doing his job, happy with the job that he has, yep. not constantly looking for the next job and talking about how I deserve this and how I deserve that. And that's the kind of guy that's that they were Pittsburgh. looking for. That's, that's right. That's, that's who they hire. Yeah. That's what they do. That's how they've been. It is an ego-free zone. And that made Omar Khan the – to me, if I would have had to pick a candidate, it would have been him. Yeah. And he's the one who got the job. I, I'm, I'm, yes, 100%. You, you said it right. I mean, just everything you explained is, explains the Pittsburgh DNA and why they would want him. And I understand that as we discussed yesterday. You know, again, they, they have something good in place there. You don't just throw that overboard for, oh, wait, we like this GM and what they do. Pittsburgh is, you know, tried and true as far as their formula – and what they do to evaluate players and build a team. So you don't let that formula out of the building. I mean, that, that to me is one where, yeah, you continue to ride it. It's still working. You're still relevant on a yearly basis. Man, you're in the Super Bowl conversation. It seems like every three or four years as well. So that's where I, I just – there's a handful of teams right now that I think have that – well, you know, for lack of a better way to say it, that front office magic where I just go, yeah, the, the, the people that are running it have the magic, but the system they have in place as far as evaluating, evaluating the college, the free agent guys, knowing to, oh, wait, we've got an injury. Here's a list of guys to work out and replace that injured guy and everything there. Some teams have cracked the code as compared to others and how they work the front office and what's done there. And you, know, you can see that really in, in the results in the field right now. And Pittsburgh, to me, is, is one of those teams, along with New England and Baltimore and Kansas City. And, you know, those are the ones at least that jump off to me right off the bat to where Buffalo right now, certainly, where the team building – and the process they have is top-notch, and it's what makes these organizations top-notch right now. Tampa Bay as well. And I, I think the reality here is that it makes it far more likely that there will be a continued role for Kevin Colbert. He's been very deferential. He doesn't want to get in the way. He doesn't want to be a problem. He doesn't want to not – you know, he doesn't want to be there if the new GM doesn't want him. It and makes Omar it Khan, easy if it's this guy. worked side-by-side yeah. side with him for 20 years. Right. And never left in a huff. I can't work with that jerk anymore. No, who would ever say that about Kevin Colbert? I mean, th this is the closest thing that they're going to have to continuity if Colbert is involved in some capacity. Yeah. He has stepped aside, stepped down, still there. Omar Khan, still there, been there, knows how to 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 make things happen. And they, they have expanded the – you know, it's not just going to be the same old, same old Andy Weidel or Weedle. This is one of those guys where, like when Roger Goodell became the commissioner, got to be sure we know how to pronounce the last name. Andy Weedle. I'm going with Weedle for now. Maybe Weidel, again, to be determined. He's the VP of player personnel in Philly. He's now the assistant GM to Omar Khan. So that's a new hire that was made by the Pittsburgh Steelers to add to this, this group that has been very steady at the wheel for – 
Pittsburgh, I mean, yeah, and Philadelphia is another one of those places I should have named, right? I mean, they're another one, a team that seems like they've cracked the code a little bit with the front office. Uh, It's just that, yeah, so I understand that hire as well. Well, let me bring this guy in. He's good. He came from another place that's very good. Let me see if he throws some ideas or some things there, you know, into our already pretty damn good process and can make it better. Uh, so I don't know much about Weedle or Weidle. Excuse me for Weidle. Yes. Weidle. It, it is Weidle. Confirmed. Weidle. Confirmed. Uh, Weidle. But, but it makes Sorry, sense. Andy. And Weidle. again, I think it's it's funny. I mean, you see a lot of the same teams always involved in these these GM searches right now. And then a lot of the teams are what we talk about because, yes, owners, people, they look at it and go, wait, there, there's something they're doing in these certain organizations where they got this process down. Uh, Pittsburgh's got it down, and Philadelphia is another one that you look at it and go, wow, they're pretty damn good, too. Andy Weidel, as in why do those idiots on PFT Live not know how to pronounce my name? But now we do, Andy. Uh, We apologize for any confusion. Let's take a break. When we return, Pro Bowl. Uh, We're really talking about the Pro Bowl. We have to talk about the Pro Bowl because there's a chance we may never have to talk about the Pro Bowl again. More PFT Live right after this. message is very clear if you want to be truly classy you need a long coat you need a cane you need a top hat the cane i'm i'm kind of a fan of the cane like i i think i could be one of those older guys that gets around like 60 58 years old and has like a cool fashionable cane and like some sort of hat i think i could do that i think i could pull it off you know helped you with the walking but more just for the cool look and, like, you know, try to be distinguished and all that. Well done, I'm EJ. Telling you. I'm telling you. First of all, I am not 58. Uh, let's go with I it. Am, I am 56 for two more weeks, so I'm going to enjoy it because I have a three-month window every year when Shireen is older than me. And I have three months to catch up. And then on the back end, my brother-in-law is three weeks younger than me, and he lets me hear about it every single day that I'm a year older than him for those three weeks. So let me enjoy the next two weeks of 56. And then I have a year to enjoy before 58 is accurate. But that's fine. I'm I'm fine. I can can accept the fact that, you know, this is the way it goes. To anybody out there who's young that wants to say, hey, old man, if you're lucky, you will be old someday too. And if you're lucky, you'll get to – Use the spare Technicolor Dream Coat from the traveling production of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dream Coat, which Kramer was wearing in that in that clip that we altered to make. I thought of that yesterday too, when I thought of the cane. I thought of that because I've been watching Seinfeld again. Right. Like I'll go through a stretch where I put it on as background noise because I've seen them all so many times. It's just something that's on while I'm working to break the monotony, and you don't want to listen to the news because it's too freaking depressing. So I, uh, I, I, I had that one on the other day. So when you talked about the cane, that was the first that thing was the I thought of. You so thought it's of? Perfect. Yeah, yeah. perfect that EJ went there. Yeah, I can't even remember that episode, but either way, yeah, hey, that's what I'm talking about there. There's something to it. I don't know about that coat. I'm not sure if I'm going to be sporting that coat. I'd like something a little more quiet. All right. But but that is with the idea of the cane, the hat, cool coat. Uh, when I get your age, 58 or so, I, I can do that for sure. There were like five different plot lines going on in that episode, as there were in pretty much every episode, and they somehow all tie together at the end. I can tell you everything that happened in that episode because, number one, I just saw it recently. Number two, I've seen it enough times that I could probably rewrite the script from memory. All right, uh, let's move forward. Roger Goodell, yesterday. 
speaking at the conclusion of the quarterly meetings in May in Atlanta, uh, asked about one of the big topics currently in the NFL, Daniel Snyder, the owner of the Washington Commanders. Here's what Roger Goodell had to say. Roger, it's the first time we've had a chance to speak to you since the Oversight Committee uh, detailed its financial allegations against Daniel Snyder and the commanders. Uh, What was your reaction to those allegations and also what's your reaction to the speculation of the possibility of ownership uh, potentially um, taking a vote to, to force Daniel Snyder out? Well, on the last point, I'm not aware of that at all. Um, so I, I don't respond much to speculation, particularly one that I don't know has any fact basis. Uh, on the first one, obviously, um, I think we've taken all of the allegations seriously. We'll look at them and we'll see if there's any fact basis to any of those. And as it stands right now, do you sense concern or frustration from your ownership group about Dan Snyder's tenure? No, I don't. I, that, I think those are things that, uh, you know, each individual owner, they have their own opinions on what's happening. I, I've of, often uh, said to everyone, including this group, uh, let's wait and get the facts. And that's the key. Let's wait and get the facts. Because before they would make a move against Daniel Snyder, frankly, they would have to be so sure that he has done something so far above and beyond what other owners may have to reasonably worry about being accused of doing themselves that they can get behind making a move against Snyder. Back to July 1 of last year, they covered up the facts that resulted in whatever Snyder's current status is. He's supposedly not on the job, even though he reportedly is on the job, but they weren't protecting him. They were protecting themselves against the possibility of being held to the same standard. That's the key. What he said at the end is critical. The facts will determine this. If they determine that he has done something that is so far beyond what any other owner has ever done or could be accused of doing, that's when he's in peril. He's not at risk if they say, well, you know, we're nervous about applying this standard to him because we don't want it to later come back to us. To us. Yeah. And the other side of it, too, Chris, you know, before I take on the fight with Daniel Snyder, I better be damn sure that he's not going to create chaos on his way out the door. What does he know? What could he do? Especially if he is the yeah. one, and we don't know this, but people believe he's the one that leaked the John Gruden emails. He has shown that he knows how to create chaos if he wants to. I'd be worried about that if I was one of the other owners, that we're going to have some big mess where he starts airing out all sorts of dirty laundry we'd rather not have out in the public eye. A hundred percent. I don't, this is one where you, you don't, you don't air anything out or, or do anything like that at all until you got all your ducks in a row and you realize, okay, we got them. Like he's got issues. We got facts on our side. This is an issue right here, blah, 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 and that's when you do it. But, yes, for now, it's speculation, and they got to be careful. they got to probably they got to tiptoe around this. You know, it's, it's still one of the 32 owners, and he is rich and powerful, and I'm sure it can make life very, very hard on the NFL if this fight did get ugly. And, you know, the ultimate clip to show where things stand for the commanders, the idea that he's supposedly not running the team and – we show the day that they announced the current name of the franchise. He's the first guy up the steps to the podium, mask off to make the announcement, even though he's supposedly not involved in the management of the team. The Pro Bowl. Whoa. We've come. Look, and I, I, I'm, I'm surprised. 
by the mere existence of a conversation about the future of the Pro Bowl. Because yeah. we had kind of come to a, a, a clumsy truce where it's two-hand touch in full pads, and that's okay because the players shouldn't be putting themselves at risk. And the NFL is okay with it because they put it on TV, and a lot of people watch it, and they make money from it. Apparently, it's not okay with the NFL. Here's Roger Goodell from yesterday talking about possible changes to the Pro Bowl. I think what we uh, tried to lay out is what we've been talking to the NFLPA about and many of our players individually. I've spoken to several players myself about uh, what works and what doesn't work. I think the conclusion was that the game itself doesn't work and that we needed to find a different way to celebrate our players, uh, celebrate the fact of uh, these being our Pro Bowl players and the best players in our league and give them an opportunity to celebrate that with our fans. You know, we talked an awful lot about some of the events around uh, the Pro Bowl are really extraordinarily popular, um, whether it's a quarterback challenge or some of the other events. So those are things that we'll probably build on. And that's what I want. This is one. This is one of the rare occasions where the NFL is going to consciously give up a little bit of its scratch here. Right, because I don't care what the alternative it is, it's not going to be viewed on TV and consumed the same way a game would be. But the problem is the game is a complete and total embarrassment right. to the NFL. It is. And there was a time 10 years or so ago where the commissioner was huffing and puffing about it publicly. You know, if, if, if this game doesn't improve, we're going to get rid of it. And then you realize, well, it's kind of hard to expect these guys after they've made it through a season healthy enough to play one more game to go beat the crap out of each other right. and potentially get themselves injured at a time when we supposedly care about player health and safety. So he backed off. And I think they recognize. They just have to ask themselves, is that three hours of, oh, my God, I can't believe that that is an NFL football game, is that worth whatever money they're making? And they apparently are coming to the strategic decision that it is not. Well, like we talk about with players or Deshaun Watson and like the look for the shield and all that, <clears throat> I think you can make that argument here. It doesn't look good on the shield. It doesn't. It's not, it's not a good thing for the NFL as a whole. Yeah, like you said, it makes money and people turn on anything NFL no matter what. But overall, I don't think it's a good look for the league. The game is stupid, and it doesn't necessarily celebrate the play, celebrate the players. You discussed it too, you know. the The play is not going to be anything intense, you know. Not like it was when we were growing up, or in the '80s when my dad was playing in the game. Where like, whoa! If you win, you get fifty five thousand dollars, and I only made two hundred thousand dollars this year. So fifty five thousand dollars to the winning team is a the winning team on the play, each player. It's huge money. I'll go out there and hit some people really hard for that kind of money. So that's where it's gone berserk because a guy that's making twenty million dollars a year is going fifty five thousand dollars. I'm gonna I might go to the club tonight and have fun and spend fifty five thousand dollars at the club with my friends and bottles of champagne and whatever. So that's just not gonna do it. I am into the skills thing. Uh, you've heard. I know we've discussed this. And, and I would Snoozers. like. What'd you say? What'd you say? Snoozers. 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 I watched it the first year they did it, and I haven't watched well, it Well, they got to make it better. I mean, it was a crappy way to do it, you know. And then they got to find a way to get the best players in the sport there. We can't have, it's the Pro Bowl, and it's actually the 13th and 14th best quarterbacks in the league here they're playing because the other top 10 or 12 didn't want to come. So here, this guy's a Pro Bowl quarterback, even though nobody voted for him, and we just he's here because of cancellations. So that's an issue. Like, why can't with this current sports 
Facebook thing, like in all of that? How come the Caesars can't, you know, sponsor like the long throw quarterback competition, Mahomes or Allen, whoever wins, they get a million dollars or their charity gets a million dollars and the charity representative there is there. So they're going to feel the pressure of trying to win for that person. Oh, here's another event. It's, you know, Derrick Henry versus, you know, Nick Chubb and the quarterback, I mean, the running back like run challenge and they got to go through an obstacle course and do like, and it's a million dollars from DraftKings. And that's where I would like to kind of see it go at least. I think, or at least that's one that comes, comes to my mind. Not not bad, but still, it's not football. I know it's and not people, football. People want football, and they'll tune in to watch football. The question is, will they tune in for three hours on the Sunday between the conference championship games and the Super Bowl for something other than that? And you know, you make it a big celebration of the players, and you have these specific competitions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Chad Johnson had an idea that I really like: current Pro Bowlers play against the past era of Pro Bowlers, old school, new school, no pads, flag. Formatted, Nobody wants to see great. old players yeah. play flag football. Sorry, Chad uh, Johnson. I like well, you. Well, you know what? Let it. me also say this. Nobody wants to watch flag football. Exactly. Nobody's interested in flag right. football. I know they're trying to make flag football a thing. Nobody's interested in flag football except the people playing it, yes. frankly. But, like, um, can we get, like, uh, who, who, who do we look at right now as, you know, again, just to add to it. I mean, I think, if you know, I, I'd, I'd love to see Tyree Kill versus Jamar Chase and a hundred yard sprint for a million dollars or whatever, like to make it real to where they don't laugh about it as they run and tire, like, you know, so I would love to see it because there's a lot of talk always that between players. There's been talk yeah, of the Mahomes. You got to understand that's bro. how there's, they love to talk, but they never do. It, I know. Well, I, I don't. Yeah, that's where I can beat this guy. I can beat that guy, but they never actually you do make it. it worth their uh, while. They might. There might. Again, to go back to the old days, Daryl Green used to run in that damn thing every year. Why? Because he was like, well, damn, I'm going to I got to beat a bunch of guys and I get twenty thousand dollars for it. That's big money for me at that time question yes answer i hadn't thought about this until you mentioned taking the fifty-five thousand dollars and going out to the club yeah i wonder how much the alvin Kamara incident Ooh. where he got arrested at the stadium right i wonder how much of that influenced the nfl to say that's just that's just the thing that you you know what this, the game stinks the game's an embarrassment you throw on top of it that we're creating this platform to bring our players together with and there's going to be the risk of some sort of incident that results in one of our players getting arrested at the pro bowl game itself. Sorry, we're not doing this anymore. Yeah. I just can't help but wonder whether that was part of it. I, I don't doubt that. I, 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 it is risky. I mean, I, I hear you there. I, I definitely do for that game. And yes, you know, again, to have it in Vegas probably adds up the ante a little bit more, but they got to do something. And it is kind of cool to what you said to start off. I think it's at least interesting that they're they're admitting it and that then something needs to be done, and we'll see where it goes. Before we go, we, we, we have to at least wax nostalgically about the one and only in the past 30 years significant moment from the Pro Bowl when Brian Mormon decided to take off with a fake punt and Sean Taylor decided to stop him from getting the first down. Good Lord! I mean... That is a wicked hit in the most intense regular season or postseason game you could ever see. I still and there perfect it is. hit like shoulder, no head. Unbelievable. I mean, it was it was put it on a reel. Yeah, to teach it to the players. But yeah, yeah, that that's there's a good reason why punters don't want to perform in the Pro Bowl. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's take a break. Matt Lur- Matt Lafleur may not be happy that Aaron Rodgers isn't at OTAs, but Jordan Love 
definitely is. We'll discuss that next here on this Wednesday edition of PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Yeah, he's not here. You don't expect him till mandatory minicamp? Yeah, I would say I talked to him last night for a while, which is great, just to kind of update him on just where we are and, and go over a few, uh, like we do every offseason. There's always tweaks to, to what you're doing. But, um, no, he's in great spirits, and it was a great conversation. But, yeah, I wouldn't anticipate seeing him at least this week. Is there a possibility next week, or do you think it's not? Yeah, I think it, it's all on him. I mean, it's, it's voluntary, so... And, and look, it is voluntary. We talked about this yesterday. And everybody who isn't there has a reason to be there. Although Aaron Rodgers really doesn't have a reason to not be there. All the guys we talked about yesterday have financial reasons, strategic reasons to not be there. Aaron Rodgers doesn't really have a reason to not be there. And Chris, did it strike you as odd that Matt LaFleur used the phrase great spirits? That, that to me... and. And I don't know how much I know. Put into I it, know. You're but, but that's a word. That's a word that you use where, you know, I expect the guy to be pissed off. I expect him to be down in the dumps. I expect him to I expect him to not be happy. But he's in great spirits. I mean, I, I hear I mean, Yes. As a as talking heads on TV, we look into those comments a little bit as into like, yeah, you're you're referring to the fact that, wait, maybe you didn't think he was going to be in great spirits or. Was yeah, you're surprised that he was yes bothered by like AKA Devonte Adams isn't on the team anymore. Um, but uh, I, I mean, again, does he need to be there? Like we discussed? No, no, we we know. I mean, he's he's he can play ball. He's at a point of his career where it's no issue. But as we discussed, you know, leading up and when Devonte Adams left town and all of that. You know, first off, you're coming. I just I just want to say like I mean, you're coming down the home stretch here of your career. Uh, there, there's new moving parts. There's new people on your offense. You know, I would think you'd want to make it work and and get that work in. You know, again, is it a necessity? No. Do I think it would help? Yes, I do. Not only yourself, but you know, other players on your football team as well. Uh, again, I just, I, I, I don't mean to be annoying, but I always point to you know Brady in these this, this equation. You know, Brady's throwing with the, co- the receivers at 7:30 every morning. Uh, you talk to anybody down in Tampa, that, that's what's going on. Tony Dungy's discussed it, whatever. Uh, so, and he doesn't have you know, a new number one target or some young guys that he's got to bring along here. And that, that's where I just, yeah, as a guy that's the quarterback, the franchise, the leader of the team, the guy that's paid the most, that's, yeah, I, I would want that guy in the building. Sorry, I would. Especially with – all the yeah, turmoil in the receiver position. You got to yeah. get guys up to speed, and you're not there to help get them up to speed and get yourself up to speed with these new receivers. Jordan Love, here is uh, the the de facto number one quarterback with Rodgers not there, talking about the situation. What are your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers not being here? Do you kind of wish he was here? And how often do you guys communicate? Um, I mean, 
I think that's Aaron's game plan is to, you know, he doesn't really need this this time right now. So uh, I enjoy it. Him not being here, it just means more reps for me, more reps for everybody else in the quarterback room. So um, obviously I'm loving it. What was your reaction when you heard about Aaron's extension? Yeah, I mean, I was super happy for Aaron. Obviously, uh, you know, the the dude deserves it, obviously, what he's done the last two years. Um, but, you know, personally for me, it's it, – it's, uh, it just means that you know, I'm about to be a backup again um, for this year. Um, and that's all I can control right now. But, uh, you know, I was, I was happy for Aaron, but at the same time, it's like, ah, uh, you know. Look, this is an opportunity. Good for him for, for being Jordan honest Love. there. And yeah. They're not, they are not going to trade Jordan Love. They're going to keep him. He's too cheap. Backup quarterbacks are expensive. You get a guy on the back end of a rookie deal, it's cheap. He knows the system. They need him there in case he gets injured. And, yeah, this is an opportunity. If you're not going to get to play, you may as well get the reps wherever you can. So good for Jordan Love uh, that he understands the opportunity. He's making the most of it. Um, and it's just a shame. He, as I've said before, he's the only guy I feel bad for in the yeah, entire drama that's happened in Green Bay the last two years because he's the only one who didn't choose it. Yeah. No, it's a tough situation for him. I do feel for the young man as well. I do. I mean, Again, it's 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 hard what he has to deal with mentally, you know, physically. Yeah, he's a raw guy that's got some talent, and you know, just it's okay. When am I gonna get a chance to really grow and show it? So that's great. He gets the reps and all that, certainly. But I mean, I think he gave you his real answer there at the end. Like, yeah, it's happy. That's that's the way you are in the NFL. I mean, you're happy for that other player, but at the same time, you're going, oh. Sh- Man, I'm, I guess I'm not going to be playing for this team for the next two years. That's not happening. I definitely won't be on the field. I'm not going to be the starter. And he's in a, in a very, very tough situation. And uh, yeah, you can say what you want. I mean, it's a first-round pick who's not getting a chance to develop on the football field. And is not going to get a chance throughout his rookie contract, bearing an, barring an injury. It's the only way he's going to. So the, it's, it's, it stinks for Green Bay that way, too. It stinks for him. Green Bay wasted a first-round pick on a quarterback that is probably not going to be on the field until year five or six of his career. I I uh, I wonder, see, next year, do they consider trading? They're going to have to pick up the option or not. Do you pick up the fifth-year option on Jordan Love? No. When he hasn't played at all? No. I don't think so, and I don't think that I don't think that'll help his value if you did want to trade for him or, or trade him or do anything like that either. You know that would hurt it. So I, I don't think you pick up that fifth year option. I, I mm, yeah, I don't. I don't think you do. I don't. I don't think you can be like stuck with that number with just in case something bad happens. I don't know what the number will be because he hasn't played. It's now influenced by how much you play, but it's still a significant number. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, it 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 look. From the Packers' standpoint, they have to ask themselves how much longer is Aaron Rodgers really going to be here? Do we still intend to transition to Jordan Love, or do we want to go in a different direction? So uh, all to be determined by the Green Bay Packers. When we return, to be determined by the San Francisco 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo's future. Kyle Shanahan addressed it yesterday. They're going to be trading Jimmy Garoppolo, unless, of course, they aren't. We'll let you hear what Kyle had to say next here on PFT Live. Yeah, nothing's changed um, since the surgery. You know, we were where we were at before that, and then you got the surgery, so everything went on hold. Um, I expect them at some time most likely to be traded, but uh, who knows? That's not a guarantee, and it's been exactly on hold when that happened, and when he's healthy, we'll see what happens. 
Most likely is a strong term. I expect him most likely to be traded. The problem is they value him more than anyone else does. They have inflated what they think he's worth, and they are dismayed that no one else seems to agree. Well, you're the ones that went out and used three first-round picks to get his replacement, so what do you expect others to think? For the same reasons you don't want him, maybe we're not interested in paying him $25 million with no guarantee beyond this year. We're paying $25 million. Maybe he won't earn it. And if he does, what do we do next year? Franchise tag him? So it's just a tough spot for everybody. But look, the bottom line is it sure sounds like they want to move forward with Trey Lance. 100%. They don't know whether or not right. he's ready, but they want to move forward with Trey Lance. And um, I, don't know how, I don't know how you can go forward with both guys on the roster after Kyle has said something that clear openly and publicly if they don't get the trade partner they want at what point does jimmy garoppolo go to them and say you tried it didn't work can you just let me go now while i have a chance to go find another job instead of letting me go right before the start of the season and i can't find anything and i have nothing and i have no guarantees yeah no it's i mean you know we have we've gotten a lot of inklings i mean they want to go trey lance we know it for obvious reasons let alone you know, we heard at the owners' meetings where Shanahan, we think Trey Lance is ready to be a starter. He said it there, you know, again yesterday saying that, that, you know, yes, we, we think we're going to trade him, all that. The one thing I will say, you know, that I think has jumped out to me, because I believe this is really like the second time in the, in the past week that Shanahan has made some comments about Garoppolo in this, is a little bit of just the, you know, the more you you kind of look at this, you realize that, Man, maybe they were closer to trading him, and that's when Garoppolo was like, I, I, "I'm getting surgery. I, I'm not. You're not. You know, you're not having the power in this situation." That, that to me is the one thing I've looked at to go. Eh, it seems like that kind of annoyed them or has bothered them in this situation. That Chan, that Garoppolo went the surgery route. That certainly threw a wrench in their plans and has has halted the process. And ultimately, I think is going to, you know, like you're kind of talking about, end the process altogether. Yes, yes, you value him too highly. Yes, he's coming off a of shoulder surgery. And yes, he's due to make $25 million a year. And most of the seats are filled. I just don't think there's going to be that much action for Jimmy Garoppolo. And despite the 49ers talking point that has gotten pushed to multiple members of the media who just paired it like Woody the, the Cowboy with a pool string, there's a snake in my boot. Jimmy's a great guy. Jimmy's a great guy. He went and got shoulder surgery without telling them. He did it on his own. He threw a wrench into the gears. And and uh, that's it him all. taking back some of the power exactly. here. Right. He, they, they, look, he said it himself to Adam Shine several weeks ago. It was strange last year, and he wouldn't wish it on anybody. George Kittle explained how weird it was and how well Jimmy did in being a professional about it and how he admires him for doing it. And it continues to ingratiate himself even more with his teammates. This is, this is Jimmy G taking back some of the power and saying, you're not going to just, you know, treat me like a pawn on a chessboard. I got some of the power here, too. And that's got to be factored into all of this. So I think they're going to have I still think they're going to have a hard time trading him harder yeah. than they realize. Yeah, I, I do, too. And then I, I also think that the fact that Baker Mayfield's out there, you know, was possible trade bait as well does not help out Jimmy Garoppolo. Wait, let me think. Uh, $25 million for Jimmy Garoppolo or $18 million for Baker Mayfield, who's young 
in just about to hit the prime of his career and has more physical ability than Jimmy Garoppolo, hmm, who would you rather trade for? That's going to hurt Garoppolo thing as well. I think they're not doing anything for now because they don't have to. But as we get closer to camp, they're going to have to do something. By the way, before we take a break, Kyle Shanahan did address the Debo Samuel situation. He is confident that they'll come to an agreement. It further underscores the idea that this is all financial, that this isn't Debo Samuel not wanting to play for the 49ers, not wanting to live in California. This is just about are they going to pay him what he thinks he's worth. That's Kyle's perspective. Could be right, could be wrong. But, Chris, he continues to be optimistic they're going to work something yeah, out. Yeah, no, he does. You're right. And it seems like, you know, again, like we discussed yesterday, that Debo is maybe cooled down a little bit. I don't think we really all, any of us, know the truth of this situation and what's going on. But uh, Shanahan, like we've discussed, He's got a way with players, and I, I never thought he would give up on this one, especially with Debo Samuel, who's arguably the best player on their team. All right, let's take a break. When we return, some interesting comments from Tyreek Hill regarding his new quarterback. That's we'll his quarterback. Discuss that to wrap up this Wednesday edition of PFT. That's my quarterback. I mean, it's nothing It's nothing weird. You know, at first I thought it was going to be something crazy, the ball going all over the place, but Tua actually has – you know, probably one of the prettiest balls I've ever caught in my life. So, um, it's, it's very catchable. I don't want to continue because the more I talk, the more it sounds weird. So, it, Tua is a is a very accurate quarterback. That's all I'm gonna say. I just feel like football is all about confidence. You know, and um, I'm very confident in my quarterback. You know, so I just feel like, you know, if I'm able to like help him get all the confidence in the world and push other guys to push that confidence into him, then the sky's the limit for the guy. You know, because he's a heck of a talent, you know, has crazy arm arm strength, arm talent, you know. So, like I say, man, we're, we're all excited, you know, just to watch him sling the ball each and every day. You know, I'm reminded of a scene in Seinfeld since we talked about it earlier in the program where George and Jerry are at a diner and George is trying to interpret the potential flirtations of the waitress with him. And Jerry points out, well, they do work on tips. And, <laughs> and you know, Ty- Tyreek Hill wants Tua Tonga-Vailoa to throw him the football. He wants to have the right relationship with him. And I thought it was a little strange. Pete caught this early to say – at first, I thought it was going to be something crazy, the ball going all over the place. Why did you think that, Tyreek? I'd have loved to have heard that follow-up. Why, why did you think that it was going to be crazy, the ball going all over the place? That, that's where I think them continuing to address this is making it look weirder and more awkward. The fact that he put a social media out, the, you know, the video last week to basically dispel the video the week before that everybody was making a big deal about with Tua. To me, they're, they're, they're pouring gasoline on the fire. And the more he talks, the more, it, you know, he even said it. I got to stop because it sounds weird. You know, just, hey, hey, the guy looks good in practice. He's throwing the ball good. Everybody needs to back the hell off. This game's and, about confidence and, and we got his back. And that's all he's going to be saying. In, in, in five years with the Chiefs, he never had to say it once about Patrick Mahomes. What does that tell you? Yeah, right. We're done. Very See true. See you tomorrow. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.